0: everyone and thank you so very much for joining me on another episode of talking cloud now you know this is where we talk about cloud all things cloud anything cloud and come on i mean if you're anywhere near the industry you know everything is cloud cloud has gotten so huge there's not a single facet of computing that we do today that doesn't involve cloud, and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, you know, I've told you many times, I am no expert, okay? I'm the Gilligan on this ship. I'm not the professor, but I do know where to find them. I seek them out. Uh, I the benefit of being in the biz for a long time, and man, I am so excited today. This is somebody who I've wanted for a while. Uh, our guest today is just someone who's got a very unique and long tenured perspective, you know. Clearly, uh, some of his recent decisions, I think, really highlight w- where the petri dish is shifting in the world of cloud and cloud security. So, if if you, I mean, just look at the background: bachelor's and master's degree, Tel Aviv University senior consultant way back in the middle 90s for nearly four years uh, for uh, Trigger Foresight, which is Trigger Consulting. Then on to Amdocs. uh, The old timers certainly know that one. Uh, And he was there for a good six plus years, uh, involved uh, leading uh, director strategy and business development. Then He found his way to a place he was for a while. First started in channel programs and international sales operations, moved into head of business center and new business offerings. Then for the last four years, he was head of strategic sales and partnerships, a 15-year tenure at a company I know well, uh, Checkpoint Software. And now, just under a year, he's been the chief revenue officer and founding member at Argonne Security. I am so jazzed to have Iran Orzel on the program today. Iran, thank you, man. Uh, This is great. I appreciate you taking time uh, to talk to me about this exciting new
1: venture you're doing. Thanks, Grant. Uh, Very excited to be here and uh now everyone can calculate my age, so a little bit embarrassed, but uh, <laughs> I think <we're> okay. <laughs> it, it, it's okay, you know, because, I, I mean,
0: hey, you know, man, it, we're as uh, old or young as we feel between our years, and I see you as a young man for sure. So, listen, I just read off like a menu at a fine restaurant all these accomplishments of you, but... Can you maybe give us some perspective on your career give us a little bit of the z axis and tell us uh about where
1: you landed and and that journey Yes yeah, so um basically i think uh, most of uh, my career was in uh, security i started at uh, consulting then moved to enterprise uh, software and and telco business and then uh, uh around uh 15 years ago, more or less, I uh, joined uh, Checkpoint, uh, which uh, basically started my uh, career in security. Back then, it was a much smaller company, uh, leading the firewall market, and I think since then it grew four times in terms of revenue, um, people, and actually became uh, a leading company in the security market today, and uh, especially in uh, cloud security.
0: Busy man, tough to get away yeah, yeah, from yeah. those constant calls. <laughs> CRO is gonna get a phone call 24 seven, so that's no problem.
1: Yeah, yeah now it's far off. So um, going back to checkpoint. sorry for that. So uh, during the last seven or eight year, I was leading the uh, strategic sales and uh, partnership organization there. And uh, um, beside uh, managing some of the uh, major uh, growth engine of the company, um, I also uh, I was also responsible for strategic partnerships and working with uh, uh, many startups, helping them uh, grow with Checkpoint, which I think was uh, one of the reasons or one of the drivers that uh, led me to, to where I am right now, uh, which is uh, uh, part of Argon, uh, who is, uh, I think, a, a, a very innovative and, and leading startup that uh, uh, basically helping. Uh, to build what is uh, gonna be the uh, um, software supply chain security market in the next uh, couple of years. Yeah, so
0: first of all, uh, I had the pleasure of working with you, not maybe as much as I would have liked, and it was always a pleasure. Um, So, you know, I was sorry to see you go, um, but with the recent events And kind of almost for me, Iran, it was like a V8 or, you know, you kind of slap your head and and go, golly, that's an enormous uh, portion of what we do every day that we've really not been focused on. And that's supply chain. Why don't you talk a little bit about supply chain security? Because, you know, I've had people say to me, Oh, well, that's like the target breach, right? And, and that was supply chain, but that was more relationship
1: with an HVAC vendor. You guys are doing something different, right? Yeah. So ba- basically the story actually started in, in, a, in a weird way. I was approached one day uh, by a friend who was uh, uh, managing Hyperwise Venture. And he told me that he's thinking uh, to invest in a new startup that uh, gonna secure the development environment space which, for me, was uh, quite a new area. Uh, uh, Companies started to talk about shifting left and and trying, you know, from uh, uh, securing the cloud, move a little bit uh, left into the the process uh, of uh, uh, where the code is built to add uh, uh, a little bit more security and and move things uh, and try try to deal with them earlier. Uh, But at that time, there wasn't really any substantial uh, security over there. and uh, uh, when I uh, approached uh, this area, it was basically two guys with a presentation and an idea how to uh, uh, how to do that. And I started digging and, and, and researching uh, on my own. And, and uh, what I found out is that uh, uh, it was a category on the Gartner hype cycle that was said a securing development environment. But uh, what I found out is that uh, uh, this segment was neglected for very long time there is no real security over there and, and i say to myself mm. maybe those guys are onto something and and uh, there's a huge uh risk here and uh you know uh to cut a long story short short we you know a month uh, uh, after we started solar wind bridge was discovered mm. and you know the rest the story suddenly you know there's a lot uh, of uh highlights on software supply chain, and everyone is, is moving to, to protect that. Yeah. Um, so so that's the story behind it. Uh, and just for the audience to, to really define what is uh, uh, software supply chain. So it is basically the process that uh, uh, starts when a developer is upload these lines of code or his package or, or file uh, to the uh, source code management uh, system of the company. And then uh, all the uh, processes that uh, start running from that point, you know, uh, storing the source code, uh, building it, testing it, and deploying it until it is uh, uh, running production. Um, Today, or before that, this process was called the CI-CD pipeline, uh, continuous integration, continuous deployment. And the focus there was like automation, speed, collaboration, and it's actually uh, a process that helped a developer uh, release software fast. Mm. Um, And when it started, uh, not surprisingly, uh, there was no security there and uh, uh, those tools are open. Uh, They're open for collaboration, they are fast. A lot of them are open source uh, tools. So um, we found a huge environment in almost every organization that develops software that uh, didn't have proper uh, security and exposing those organizations to uh, various types of risks. So, I've heard SDLC, Software
0: Development Lifecycle, same, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're talking the same, th- that process, right, from when I go, hey, Iran, I've got a great idea for an app for our customers. I mean, literally, that's, that's the point at which we're, uh, I think we would all agree in uh, uh, sitting around a fire, that's when security should be thought about, implemented, designed, right? But it's certainly not been the case, has it?
1: Exactly. I think that uh, it, uh, like many other areas, it it, uh, pretty much started late in the process. And uh, when I talk to customer, I see that they are trying to uh, use uh, standard security tools or, or scanning to try to fit them within the uh, uh, process itself, the software supply chain process. But um, what we found out is that unless you really build something that is dedicated for this process and integrated with it, you're either not providing a very good security or you're going to interrupt the development process and by that going to be rejected by the developers Uh, which main KPI is, you know, develop fast, fail, fast, fix, and make sure that their application is competitive in the market uh, and not so much the security aspect of it.
0: So what's the reason for the gap uh, in security? Why why do you think
1: this area has been neglected? Well, I think that for for many years, it was like in the backyard of the R&D teams far away from the reach and, and, and uh, visibility of the security teams. And, and uh, um, I think if, if you look at what happened today in the security space, uh, the AppSec teams are understaffed. Uh, it's very difficult to, to find people. There is a, a huge shortage of, of people in the market today. And they have so so much on their plate that they are not looking for new area to secure. And, and uh, because this area was siloed up, you know, and, and was really, done by the developer. Uh, there was very little cooperation and knowledge sharing and, and I think that uh, uh, it's created a big gap. Security, I think maybe ignored it. Uh, development didn't run to say hey we need to secure that and it's uh, uh, if we look right now what's going on in the market, It's like 90% of the developing uh, uh, software developing companies, are using those automated CICD pipelines. So it means that it's like in every company, it's a process that runs open source tools, uh, SaaS services, a lot of dozens of, of uh, 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 other systems contribute to it. So it's a very complex and dynamic environment. In many cases, open uh, uh, to the internet or allow users from outside the organization to connect and contribute code. And uh, uh, the risks is is super high in those environment. And and now we have to run very fast and and close this uh, gap. Yeah, I wonder if it's also because we're so
0: hyper-connected you know because everyone is connected twenty-four-seven, three-sixty-five, 365 with super high band connect and we're all carrying supercomputers that have access to the exact same resources and i think that that too is maybe exacerbates the exposure of that which used to be kind of in a cocoon right the developers they're back in this cave yeah
1: um i you know i wonder if that's also playing a role I think it is. It is. It is contributing to the risk of of, of this process because if in the past you know that uh, the development process was done uh, you know on-prem behind the firewall you know system that might not be connected to the to the internet at all. Today, with the move uh, 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 you know for of people to work from home, uh, also development hours becoming like a scarce resource. So you find organization outsource part of the development to Eastern Europe, mm. to uh, 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 India, uh, to other countries, and right. you see a lot of people connecting uh, from outside into your uh, uh, development environment, even if they are on-prem. Mm. Uh, you see a lot of the code distributed and, and sent outside the organization as well. So I think the latest changes in the way that we are working and, and, and mm. definitely, Uh, contribute to the risk associated with this process. Yeah, the GitHub's of the world, right? I mean, the the
0: repositories, the the whole distributed process overall, the teams are many times uh, components that are located all over the world that, you know, come together in a particular repository with their efforts, right? So, how do we make it a priority or what's the most effective way you think obviously that's got to be something you're thinking about today as the cro
1: yeah so i think uh uh the first challenge that we face is is creating awareness you know it was uh um something that really started with uh solar wind uh, bridge that created a big boom in this uh, industry say hey you know all these uh, processes are unsecured and, and see what the, the amount of damage that it can created here. So this definitely helped. Uh, and also the following attacks that, uh, that came after that, like Kotkov uh, and a couple of other code leaks and, and breaches. Um, so I think this was uh, the first effort that we did uh, to try to uh, create more awareness, make sure that uh, not only that there will be a... a you know, aware of the issues, but that there is a solution mm-hmm. because a lot of companies rushed to do something that was you know, not even covering half of what they need, but they, they felt they need to do something. And I think that more than that, now you see that uh, as we are moving to more uh, cloud native application and everyone is moving to the cloud, uh, what's happening is that the software supply chain process is becoming... The core process for the application development, because in the cloud you rely on uh, very fast updates and changes to the application, and, and you know to answer quickly to every uh, customer request. So this definitely uh, inc- increase the the importance of this process. I think that uh, also the process is also linked directly to the cloud infrastructure, because. Part of it is defining the, the cloud infrastructure configuration with uh, infrastructure as a code uh, part of it. And I think the third thing that uh, uh, the people are starting to realize that uh, uh, this is a fast process. It's almost out of control. It's using uh, uh, system credential as environment, environment variables. So someone that will get access to this process can get uh, really all the information you need to take control of your application, to use it, to distribute malware, to do whatever you want. Kaseya. Yeah. Was that the, was it Kaseya? Yeah. I mean, that
0: one was, for me, man, I went like, wow, to to exploit the service that corporations
1: use to update and patch their infrastructure. Wow. Yeah, I think this was like uh, the next step of attackers Saying okay, we understood solar wind. We knew now that we have a great vehicle to distribute something. Now looking at Casilla, he said, "Why don't I go to the end game and just distribute, ransomware and immediately, you know, attack one company, but then implant this malware in dozens or hundreds of their customers?" Yeah, and I think this is the big risk of software supply chain attacks because uh, you go after a company that have tens of thousands of customers and in one, you know, targeted, planned attack, you can uh, uh, distribute your vulnerability, your backdoor, your uh, ransomware or malware to tens of thousands of unsuspecting customers that even if they won't, don't have a process to really uh, check every software update that they get. And understand if there's an extra line of code here or something suspicious. Yeah. So, very risky attack surface uh, that has been created here behind our back. That, for me,
0: would be like my hood ornament, <laughs> you know, as an example for every call I would make. Hey, do you hear about this? I mean, in today's world, who doesn't subscribe to a service that gets updated? Right? Uh, it's it's all of a sudden, it opens up a whole new, seemingly a whole new plane, if you will, in the landscape of potential
1: methods for attack. Yeah, definitely. I think that, uh, uh, I think you nailed it with, with this sentence. Uh, the trust that people have in their application provider today is still very high. And attackers are going to exploit that and take advantage of, of it Uh, and use it to their benefit. Now, Argon uh, mission is to protect uh, those uh, software development uh, or software developing companies and make sure that we can uh, restore the trust that was lost and protect those companies. So people, their customers will continue to trust their software updates and uh, because some of th- those updates are really necessary because if there is a discovered vulnerability that expose your browser or your phone or your application uh, to the attackers you want to patch it immediately and uh, uh, deal with it now if there is no trust in the updates you're slowing the uh, the process dramatically so the attackers still have the upper end because they exploit the vulnerability itself. They don't need the update. So our mission in life as a company is really to ensure the integrity of each software release and restore this trust. So company can continue to release uh, fast updates and improve their uh, customer experience uh, without compromising on security and knowing that there is no Uh, uh, risk in those uh, releases that they uh, provide their customers. You know, I'm just, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to
0: myself, Iran, this is so significant, makes me think about how far reaching this is.
1: Well, I think that uh, uh, definitely, I think that today, uh, the attackers are after the uh, low-hanging fruits. And uh, if you remember, like, I think two months ago or something, there was a small attack uh, on the supply chain of uh, Bitcoin marketplace company, and all they did in one of the updates managed to change the address of the electronic wallet. Mm. And I heard uh, about after, that. Yeah, so after this exposure, basically they were able to steal $3 million in Bitcoin within mm. a very short time uh, uh, through this uh, um, uh, exploit. And, and I think this is where they will start right now because there, you, there, you know, there are nation states behind it. There's a lot of groups with uh, agenda that wanna go after the, the large corporation and, and, the big, uh, and the big money. Mm-hmm. And because uh, today the upper end is with the attackers because most of organizations don't have strong software supply chain security, we still uh, need to worry about uh, that first. And uh, of course, you know, the the consumer market will follow uh, uh, closely, but I'm more worried about, you know, we have been talking with companies that uh, provide uh, maintenance software for, uh, uh, you know, power station and nuclear reactors and all those things that need maintenance and stuff. And, you know, uh, taking advantage of such uh, a tool can create enormous damage on a very large scale and, and i think this is the, the scary thing about uh, a software supply chain attack it's the, the scale of the damage that can be uh, uh applied with one attack so
0: what are you seeing you talk to a lot of customers iran what what's the landscape looking like amongst the folks you're talking with how's things looking out there
1: okay so um I think, as I said before, I think the awareness is starting to to be at a a good level. When we talk to uh, our customers, it looks like uh, uh, as much as 60 to 70% of them plan to invest in uh, uh, software supply chain security in 2022. So this is a good, I think, message. I think uh, it uh, shows us that it was Uh, uh, adopted by uh, most of the CISO, most of the uh, security teams, they understand. I think the first thing is that they understand that there is a gap and that uh, they uh, must do something to uh, start closing that. Mm. Now, we still have, you know, a gap of uh, knowledge. We still have a gap of of people and uh, they will need help. They will need a lot of help. I think that uh, the giant of the industry starting to realize that and moving toward that towards that Uh, if you look for example at at google that uh support uh, google salsa which is a secure sdlc uh uh, guidelines high-level guidelines and around this project there's a lot of work being done by the industry a lot of contribution from various people uh, to make sure that organization will have uh, such a blueprint or a map or high-level guidelines of what they need to do to start uh, creating some enforcement point and better security in this area. Mm. So it's still a journey. It will take some time, but as we move fast to that, uh, we will make it very tough on the attackers uh, to exploit it as, as, you know, attackers are opportunistic in most Cases so if they see that you have good security and you're able to block that, they will move to another victim. What are they looking for? Speaking of attackers,
0: I mean, what, from from what you're seeing, in at least in the area you're focused on, what do you, what do you see them seeking out and looking for? What's going to cause them to say, "Ha,
1: I'm going to move on"? Well, I think that uh, uh, you know. Not uh, I, I'm not like a prophet, so I don't know exactly what's going to happen and, and what are the reasons behind it. But from what we see in the market today, analyzing uh, the attack vectors, um, and uh, I think that if if I look especially on the on the new trend of of uh, uh, open source package poisoning, that uh, now we see like every week almost mm. uh, we discover another. Uh, open source package with millions of downloads being, uh, you know, taken over, uh, manipulated and injected with some malware. I think that uh, attackers are looking for an easy way to get a backdoor or to get their code into uh, applications that they can uh, use as a vehicle to distribute a large-scale attacks. I think that uh, if I have to summarize it in in one sentence, this is, the uh, jackpot for the attackers, uh, because uh, one attack can exploit or expose thousands of victims and they can pick and choose who they want to attack and, and in, in what method. And this is a very dan- dangerous approach. And, and if you saw, if you uh, you mentioned before, uh, the Kesaya case, yep. so combining such a, a vehicle with an attack with a, a malware like ransomware, yep. can uh, really uh, uh, create uh, meaningful damage to you know the, the uh, companies using it, to their MSPs, and also at the end to the insurance companies that have to you know compensate everyone for the loss of day and all the, the yep. uh, recovery work that yep. scale right i mean yeah. they certainly are looking for
0: scale right i i think they they want that they they don't want that 1 to 1 but uh, you know they don't want that 1 to uh, a few they want to do the 1 to massive you right yeah. so you know, everybody has heard about solar winds. I mean, what other, you know, in the in the world of SDLC, in the world of of supply chain security, what other areas are there um, that need to be protected?
1: So I think uh, after uh, many analysis being done on on the solar winds uh, attack, I think it was obvious that there was a lot of work and, and effort. Uh, behind this, and and the attackers were very sophisticated and Mm -hmm. uh, really uh, invested a lot of of work. Um, What we see in the other types of attacks is that uh, once, uh, you know, I think it was uh, like a Russian group that connected to to the Russian government or something, but they want to use these same types of methodologies and go after uh, lower hanging fruits and, and easy targets. So the two types of uh, attacks that we see today are becoming more popular. I think the, the number one is is uh, uh, package poisoning. So we see attackers going after uh, open source packages like NPM, going after uh, container repositories and trying to uh, take control over those uh, packages or containers and uh, inject their own code created new version with uh, some uh, vulnerability in them so they can exploit it uh, when um, the developers will download it and start using them uh, in production. Another type uh, of attacks is uh, going after the uh, pipeline process dependencies. And and, uh, what we see is that uh, uh, for every uh, software supply chain process that uh, you build, there are dozens of various are uh, services that connect to it, it can be your uh, active directory that allow access to the various tools it can be ticketing systems or for example if you look at Codecov, a uh, test coverage uh, solution and attackers are now trying to get to those smaller companies with less security and try to use them as uh, a way to get to your um, core processes and basically from there to get access to your uh, uh, code and exploit it. Um, but I think the uh, the attacks against uh, uh, software packages are by far the most popular because it's easy to get, uh, yeah, it's easy to get access to them. Let me ask about those packages. So when you
0: talk about the package poisoning, are you talking about um, an open source, a ball of code that's uh, 1.2.3, whatever, right, that's out there. And then there's something that someone's enhanced or or modified. And the modification may be, what, really small? Just a very, very small line or two that I might not even notice when I download the 1.2.4. Right, exactly. Because the the hacker renamed it, said, "Hey, I made some enhancements," and it was really very little. Is that the
1: kind of thing that's happening? Exactly. What what the attackers are doing? Uh, they uh, look for uh, popular packages that are being downloaded millions of times on a regular basis, and uh, uh, what they will try to do is create a new version. I can be Uh, uh, 7.3.0.1. And in this version, uh, they will do minor changes, but will either insert their own code or point to a new dependency Mm -hmm. that uh, uh, will be pulled later on or a a piece of code that uh, uh, includes some vulnerability. And that way, Mm -hmm. what they're doing is uh, getting the developer to passively insert their uh, vulnerable code as part of the application that they are building. And some of those uh, uh, packages has uh, have millions of uh, uh, downloads every month. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that we did after talking with uh, several customers and understand that they uh, see that as, as a major risk for them, we basically created a zero-day a gate for those packages, and uh, uh, once you use argon, we are uh, enable you to identify specific changes that might be associated with such an attack. For example, mm. uh, you know we will alert if we see that you're pulling a package where the owner has changed. So maybe the attacker uh, took ownership of this package, created a new version, and now, you know it will take time until you will dis may discover this vulnerability mm. that the injected. But in, in advance, I can tell you, hey, there's a new owner here. Maybe you should wait for a couple of months to see that other people are using this and there are no issues with this package before right. you start using something new. Or I can limit you know, uh, uh, the use of every package that doesn't have a good score on GitHub or that uh, uh, is not running out in the wild for at least two months and I know that some people used it and there's nothing happening. So, so it,
0: sounds, it sounds like suspicious attributes, right? I mean, suspicious attributes, very similarly to when we uh, see that someone's registered a domain yesterday and it's got some non-English words or something like that, right? That we immediately throw up flags and say maybe that. So it's interesting. There's new... Suspicious attributes,
1: things to look for. Attributes or behavior, and again, it's not 100%. But uh, you know, it takes time until you find those vulnerabilities. And, right. and uh, we want our customer to be a little bit more suspicious now that the attackers are moving or shifting themselves. Their attacks uh left And yes. trying to go after the process development yeah. of development software. And I want them to raise their awareness and say, "Okay, let's keep the same version yeah. that we're doing. Don't go for the new one. I want to check it." Yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk about Argon. Um, you've been there a year.
0: I saw the really exciting news here, what, maybe just a week or two ago? That uh, So congratulations to now be part of Aqua. Talk about what your approach is, how it's unique, different, and maybe a little bit about the solution and how complex, how easy. Just
1: yeah. <laughs> so first I want to start with, with the acquisition because I think that uh, this is like an assurance for us, at, at least it was, that we are moving in the right way because we know that supply chains attacks are rising and it's a big threat and and, uh, very much in the uh, cloud native environment as we talked about uh, because uh, you see that uh, uh, these processes are super fast and more susceptible to to such attacks. now, because of our uh, unique uh, uh, value proposition, I think it's, uh, it's really uh, created an opportunity for us to, to uh, connect uh, with a, a player in the runtime. And in the future, it's not gonna happen immediately because acquisitions and integration takes a lot of time. Uh, we will be able uh, to provide uh, our customers the ability to protect their process really from code all the way through uh, run time. so add uh, these capabilities and even today we have integrations and partnership with various companies in the runtime in the code time uh, that we orchestrate their activities and contribute to values to, to both sides in order to uh, uh, give the customer as much information as possible and give him alerts in advance so he can uh, tackle those uh, um, issues now and risks. Now, uh, what we did, I think at, at Argonne, and I think this is what uh, uh, is unique about our strategy, is that basically, uh, we build uh, a holistic software supply chain security framework that is being fed from, uh, you know, the various attack vectors and analysis of, of real attacks, uh, from deep understanding of the uh, CI/CD pipeline tools, uh, from combination of best practices, Uh, from the DevOps space and from security, and also from working very closely uh, to SDLC security projects like the Google Salsa, like the work being done in uh, the Cloud Native Foundation. And we're trying to funnel everything into a framework that will enable organization to have a real practical uh, uh, set of enforcement points that will alert and block such uh, supply chain attacks. And this is our mission, and this is what uh, uh, we started to do a year ago. Uh, now there is still a lot of work to be done. We're just, uh, uh, you know, working with dozens of customers and, and the market is, is huge. And I believe that this acquisition will will help us uh, broaden our reach. Um, but I think this is the, the essence of, of what we're trying to do, uh, enabling customers to uh, get Visibility uh, and real discovery of what is going on in this process that until today was like a black hole for them, mm-hmm. uh- give them the ability to uh, build their security policy and apply those uh, uh, policies uh, into or policy or best practices or or enforcement point as part of the process in a way that is not like intrusive in a way that uh, work with the process and not delay the release. Uh, and at the end, ensure that uh, uh, there are no risks in the process, in the tools, in the code itself, and that we help them uh, release code that is high quality and high security. So as
0: I'm thinking and I'm hearing and imagining that whole process, it seems like there's a number of, there there there's a number of intersects, if you will, or points at which you need to make sure it's secure before, you know. I guess in a PERT chart or a Gantt chart, you know where the critical path is. You know, before you go to the next milestone, you you need to make sure it's safe and secure there. So, is Argon uh, an agent-based solution? Is it something that is installed in m- many places like toll boosts, or
1: how how does the product have, uh, secure uh, the complexity? So wh- one of the, uh, the things that we uh, uh, wanted to do from the start is focus on a holistic uh, security capabilities that uh, will enable to close uh, the process end-to-end. The way that we're doing it is that uh, basically uh, we connect to the CICD tools themselves, to the software supply chain uh, tools that build this process through APIs and plugins. So usually we will connect to your source code management system, it could be a GitHub, GitLab, Bitbucket, Azure DevOps or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will connect uh, also to your uh, build server, mostly Jenkins, but some other use GitLab or yeah. uh, GitHub and the others are also moving into that space. We will uh, connect to the your deployment server, um, Nexus, JFrogs, and other. Mm-hmm. And by connecting to all those tools together, we have the complete visibility. And through those APIs, we can basically apply security on three layers. The, the first layer is on the tools themselves. We make sure that there are no misconfiguration, that there are no vulnerability. We apply security best practices on, this, uh, uh, on these tools, on the services that connects to them, and also on the networking of the uh, uh, process. Uh, the second layer is the ability to uh, define uh, the a, a process policy and enforce uh, DevOps and security best practices over the process. And this way, each company can define its own policy and make sure that it is kept and our system will do it automatically. Mm -hmm. And the third layer is also looking at uh, the code itself and we either orchestrate or contribute our own scanners or orchestrate third-party scanners and make sure that throughout the process, we also uh, uh, improve the quality and security of the um,
0: code itself. So is that like a static code analysis kind of process uh, at that phase? And give me an example of of the second phase in terms of the best practice that that you could implement with a policy.
1: Okay, so I'll give you an example and and we actually did it a a couple of weeks ago. So let's assume that uh, as a company, you decide that uh, you're not gonna uh, release any artifact or any code unless during the build process, you scan the code and you scan it for secrets, you scan it for infrastructure as code, you scan the container and everything. Now, where Argon comes to place, once you define this process and you decided exactly what scanners will run, the Argon solution will enforce a step in your build process, mm. which gonna run all those tests. Now we can enforce, for example, a checkpoint to run as part of the build. We can enforce snake to run there or Aqua to run there. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is enabling you to define a policy saying every time there is, I'm building some software, some update, I'm going to scan the uh, code. And if I find some critical issue, this process will stop and start all over again. Mm-hmm. If I don't find it uh, and everything is good, it will continue to the next step. And by that, uh, we... Uh, applying a a very smart orchestration and enforcement of security check in critical parts of the process. So, uh, uh, you know, you don't need to uh, uh, do it yourself. You know that there is, let's say, a solution that will run and synchronize all the activities that you wanted over this process. And whenever something is wrong, can stop the process, can alert you on that, and you can take actions. And it sounds like, if I'm on the other
0: side of that milestone, I, I can have confidence in knowing I won't get it handed to me until those check boxes are checked, because the Argon solution. Am I getting that right? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, so uh, we are applying what we call active security on the process, meaning. That you know, it's easy to, to scan like code repository and tells you, you know, you have a lot of issues with open source, with this, with that, with the code. There are some secret there. Okay, everything is very static. What we are doing is basically uh, running our security as part of the a software supply chain process in the build, in the deployment, in the even when uh, um, you know developers upload packages or, or or code into the pipeline, we check that. So uh, to your example let's assume uh, that I did all the check and I, and I finish every time uh, we finish a build stage we will provide you other than the package artifact we will also provide you our uh, version of of the SBOM, which is the software bill of material of what we build yep. and what you will get there is not only you know all the components of the code so you can give it to your customers or you can uh, uh, you know know. Uh, exactly what you build into this package, we will also gonna to add to this manifest all the security steps that it went through from the beginning, from the initial pull request, and all the DevOps steps that were included in this process. So basically, it's a, a very strong guarantee of the quality of this artifact before it will go to deployment, and this is uh, a way for you to say, okay. Now I can look at it and I see, you can do it ma- manually or automatically, that this uh, specific package uh, was uh, reviewed by two reviewers. It was, uh, it went through all the security checks that I wanted and uh, uh, I know exactly what is building that and I can you know pass it to the deployment server or you can check and say, you know what? The guy that pushed it, I don't know, it was, Uh, it wasn't done with two-factor authentication so okay i want to stop and understand why it happened so our goal is really to give you strong assurance in your software release so your customers can deploy it without uh worrying and and thinking if they need to do something else so that i mean that sounds like a very powerful
0: audit proof right A, a compliance proof if you will or uh, however, you want to call it in terms of n- not only the bill of materials from the software development life cycle, but the security bill of materials that were uh, sandwiched into that process,
1: right? Because those are what's new. Yeah, exactly. And and if you remember, uh, around May, I think there was like a release of uh, uh, President Biden's Security Act yeah. after the analysis of the of the Solar Wind attack, and they are uh, like explicitly. Uh, said that uh, in the future, the US government will demand every software uh, provider to be able to provide them an SBOM that will tell them exactly what components of code are included there. So they can in the future, if there is a vulnerability discovered, uh, can track it and understand which yeah. of their software it, it impact. Now, what we did as a security company, we looked at that, we understand the value, but we wanted to give another edge. And the edge that we are providing is basically allowing you to uh, uh, basically define specific security steps that you want to apply in various stages. And we will track that for you and you will get it on the manifest with the SBOM. And uh, this can be like your uh, risks uh, gate saying, you know, if it's not uh, came like 100% clean and everything is like checked, I want to stop it and I want someone to look at it or to run it all over again. So I think this is going to be the future.
0: This is an enormous, this is an enormous market, it seems, that uh, has been overlooked for a long time. It, and uh, uh, you guys certainly are are uh, addressing what seems to be uh, desperately needed space to be targeted for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we we think the same here so.
0: <laughs> Look at out of respect for time, I know we're at the top of the hour and and so I want to uh give you your time back, but I really I want to thank you very much because this has been very enlightening for me, interesting and I think also uh great for the listeners to hear kind of a new phase in the world of security that really is uh, pretty hot right now. There's lots of new companies going after that space. Argon being one of them. So, Iran, thank you very much for being here.
1: Thank you very much, Grant. It was a pleasure. I I listened to the podcast and uh, I was uh, looking for the opportunity to you know join you and uh, you know uh, enlighten the audience about what we're doing and how we can actually help them uh, secure their. Uh, uh, software development.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I appreciated a bunch. We'll definitely have you back again, Iran. Thank you. Uh, and, and ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very, very much for joining us. Another one in the books. this was this was really interesting. You know, Argon is on to something. I know there's lots of uh, focus in this area as there should be. And uh, as I said before, you know, the thing that's so exciting about this industry is no matter when you get in, you're getting in at the beginning of something. Uh, And so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. If you like what you're hearing, share it. Tell your friends. Subscribe. And come back. We'll have you on the next episode of Talking Cloud. Thanks so very much.